Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is Getting Personal with Designers. My name is Tamir Schuster from Precise, and today I'm talking to Drew Lang from Lang Architecture. Drew has founded the studio back in 2003. Moreover, on top of the studio's work, Drew operates Brick and Wonder, which is a membership collective focused on connecting and supporting accomplished real estate and design professionals. There's a lot to talk about, so let's just dive right into it. Thank you, Drew, Drew Lang, for taking the time today to talk to us. Um, we're going to do it as a project type interview, meaning starting with the SD phase, which we're going to talk about you. Then the DD phase, we're going to talk about Lang Architecture and the company. Um, the CD phase is more about the industry. And then probably CA, we're just going to finish talking about some COVID-related things and whether we look for in the future. And then we have then a lightning round, especially for you. How about that? Sounds great. I look forward to the conversation. All right. Sounds good. So the most straightforward question is probably, why did you, Drew, decide to become an architect? Well, I'll tell you, when I first was thinking about what I do as a professional, I thought I would be going into business. Uh, I sat in the first day of uh, economics course in college, and uh, I, I knew right at that moment, this is not for me. I looked around the room. I couldn't identify with anyone in the room. Uh, I found the topic to be extremely boring. Uh, so I, I, I took that one course and that was it. Uh, I knew, okay, I'm gonna figure out what to study and then I'm gonna figure out what my profession is gonna be. So um, when it came time to choosing the profession, um, I arrived at architecture because I, I, I was always drawn to creative things. I had a lot of creative people in my family and um, it was a rational decision. I, I, I thought, okay, architecture is something that makes sense to try. It's a, it's a good balance between things creative and, and things rational and rooted in the world, right? So I went out to California uh, after graduating from college on the East Coast. I tested out a studio course at uh, SciArc and loved it, loved it. And um, from that moment on, I really haven't looked back. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no um, family friends growing up who were architects. So, so you I, found I, architecture in later stage of life? Yeah, I, I was in my early 20s when I decided uh, to... to so, so. Still, some of them know it when they, when they were born or uh, being directed to it by their parents. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And you know, you, you said you only found it again in your early 20s or mid-20s. Um, we're not going to tell any secrets here. Um, but instead, what was fascinating, you know, about architecture that basically kind of pulled you in? Two different things. Um, one, like I said, the combination of things creative and things rooted in the, the real world where people are interacting with each other in, in, in commerce and socially interacting with each other. Um, the, the other thing is that um, I found really early on as I got into architecture that um, it was, um, and I still think this today, I mean, it really hasn't gotten old. In fact, it, it only becomes more interesting. Um, a great combination of um, things that are creative and things that um, allow for extensive um, thought about the way we live, 
um, the way that we think, um, the way that we um, kind of engage with each other. I mean, it's just sort of yeah, in, sure. endlessly interesting as a um, both a social science and a physical science. Interesting. And um, what inspires you today or back then? You know, what still motivates you when you go to work? Um, so many things, but it always starts with the people. So it took me a long time to realize this was the case. I didn't, um, I didn't know that this was going to be as important as it's turned out to be. Um, but it's the people who I work with who really make the most difference in, in, in my experience. Your team and the clients on both ends? Everybody. Everybody. It's, 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 it's our team. It's, it's the clients. It's all of our collaborators. It's the contractors that we build things with. It's the suppliers. Um, it's, it's the craftspeople. It's, um, it's the kind of collaborative dynamic that yeah. gets me really excited every day. Sure. And, 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 you know, what leads to just endless learning and curiosity and, um, sure, I love design, but um, at times actually I can get bored with design, honestly. Uh, I never get bored with really interesting, energetic, dynamic people. Yeah, and, and, and um, I actually find that... Um, my ideas and my work are much better, much improved when I come together with people who have different set of ideas and a different set of strengths and yeah. a different point of view than I have, right? They draw me out, I can draw them out, and, um, and that, that would, that's what makes the most interesting architecture, what makes for the most interesting life. Yeah, makes sense, collaboration, it's all about that. Um, is there specific people that you looked up to? or that you're shaping your work around maybe their work? Well, there were two formative people in my early education who are really, really important for me and, and are still important to me in some meaningful ways. Um, I went to Yale and Deborah Burke was one of my teachers there. Um, she's someone who I always admired and still very much do and, um, you know, so proud that she's now become the dean of the school. Um, she was formative for me in lots of different ways, uh, um, on the level of um, a set of values, if you will, as it pertains to being an architect, um, and a, um, call it a soft formality, a tempered formality. Um, when I first went into architecture school, I thought being an architect was um, necessarily about making formal gestures, um, bold gestures. One thing I learned from her is that there are other ways of approaching uh, architecture and building a, a, a softer, a, a gentler, a, a more subtle, a more integrated approach to architecture. So she had that really significant influence on me. And then her close colleague, Stephen Harris, um, wasn't my direct teacher at Yale, but because of Deborah, I went to work for Stephen after I finished school. And he, at that point, um, in a lot of ways, he embraces the same set of values that Deborah does, became very influential for me. So I worked for Stephen for five years before starting my own firm. And so 
they are the two most important you know, formative, yeah. um, more senior professionals yeah. to me, uh, who, who, who um, you know, I really, really appreciate. You, you're doing this, you're running a business, you also um, operate Brick and Wander. Um, can you tell us more about that? So Brick, Brick and Wander is a professional community for, for creatives and business people across real estate and design. Um, everyone who touches the built world can be part of Brick and Wonder. Um, it, it came to be really because of my, my interest in collaboration and a recognition that without a formal and concerted effort around a set of values, if you will, um, and an embrace of collaboration, an explicit embrace, that um, it was going to be very hard, if not impossible, to get alignment of interests among people across projects over time, right? Especially when we're talking about projects that are large and long and complex. What I found early in my career that was extremely frustrating <clears throat> is a divergence of interests um, among people working together, a kind of conflict of interests often at times, and um, the negative experience and the negative outcomes um, that result. And I tried tackling this in really every way that I could think of, and pretty much nothing worked, which isn't to say I didn't develop positive relationships, have some positive outcomes, um, have some successful projects. We did have some, but we also had a fair share of failures. And um, not only that, it just wasn't fun, right? The, 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 the butting of heads, if you will, right, that takes place really as a matter of course as we try and get things built, um, just became unfun. And, and, you know, look, life's short. I, I, I wasn't willing to travel through the remainder of my life working as an architect, which I was committed to doing. I was like, okay, I love this architecture thing. I want to make buildings, and I want to do it in a way that's, that, that, that's, that's um, going to yield not only good architecture, <clears throat> but also be fun. And, um, and I think there are a lot of other people who want to experience the same do sort the same of thing, thing, right? Yeah. So that's what Brick and Wonder is about at its essence. You know, it's, it's, it's really that simple, and so it takes the form of expressing those values, if you will, um, uh, embracing a mindset of abundance versus one of scarcity, um, a mindset of positive competition versus negative competition, yeah. Yeah. right? And um, sharing resources with one another, not holding our cards close to our chest, but rather opening ourselves up and, um, uh, yeah, just learning from each other, kind of grow, growing together. And, 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 you know, the alternative is everyone exists in a silo. Everyone's forced to, in a sense, reinvent the wheel at every step of the way. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's what it is. How would you describe the collaboration between Brick and Wonder and Lang Architecture? Look, we should ask people in the studio, right? Um, we, we coexist in the same studio. Um, Right now, they operate independently. 
um, I hope over time what happens in our studio and for the stu other studios who are part of Brick and Wonder is that we can evolve ourselves in a way where our studios as a whole can become um, uh, more integrated and more a part of Brick and Wonder. But right now it operates at the level of the individuals more than the companies, more than the whole of the studio. So the individuals who are part of Brick and Wonder are interacting with each other. So for our studio, the alignment takes place at the level of values and embrace an embrace of the same set of values, a reinforcement of these values. So we talk a lot about um, the way that we interact with people, the way that we communicate with our clients, the way we communicate with each other internally, the way we communicate with our collaborators, and the importance of um, not only respecting each other, but taking an active, proactive interest in people um, for the sake of it, right? And, and there's a belief on our part that by doing so, we will naturally be more connected to each other, um, we'll naturally be more aligned with each other, it doesn't come naturally, right, uh, in the course of a busy day. Everybody has things to get done, things to check off their list. Business. Um, it's business, that's right. And um, it does really take a concerted effort, uh, intentionality around stepping back from what we're doing uh, and a thoughtfulness take a more holistic in, in the approach. View of what yeah. We're doing. yeah. And so, okay, it takes a little bit longer and. Um, uh, it, 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 it takes a consistent, concerted effort, but um, the result is so meaningfully better that um, it becomes a no-brainer at a certain point. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, the overlap really occurs at that level, the reinforcement of, um, of those values. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you about land architecture. Um, do you remember your first project, you know, as a business owner? Of course. Yeah. What was it? Was it a resident? You're mainly doing residential work right now. Was it a residential work back then? It was residential. There, there, there were two projects that um, I started with simultaneously when, when, when I started my studio. Uh, one was a client commission, and another was a self initiated development project um, that, that I did in New Orleans. Um, the commission project was a, a, a 4,000 square foot loft in um, um, NoHo, right at the corner of Broadway and Lafayette. Um, it was, was, I really still think of it as a um, formative project, a great project. Uh, we're still close with those clients and um, heard from them recently actually and um, uh, it's about to turn over on a new leaf, they're in the process of selling the, 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 the places after 15 years of being in it, right? So, um, so yeah, so I actually in some ways found that to be exciting, like, okay. Yeah. Oh, those were the first ones. Do you remember some a project that was mainly influential for you? Something that turned around things for Lang as a company? There's one project that did that for us more than other projects. It's our Hudson Woods project, which, which was a development project we initiated on 130 acres in the Catskills with 26 homes. Well, that's, uh, so, 
hospitality. Right, that 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 project straddled hospitality, but it was really more of a, a residential community. What separates Lang Architecture maybe from other companies, or what's what's the values that Lang has that maybe outshine you know? Um, I don't know about that. I don't. I don't. I don't want to compare us to other people. You know, everyone has their kind of different set of strengths yeah. and so forth, but. Um, I can tell you one of the things that, that, that people are now coming to us for quite consistently um, in relation to a niche that we've carved out. And it's, um, it's uh, land development of different sorts. So an integration of architecture with land or landscape or nature. Right, those words for me are interchangeable: land, landscape, nature. So, um, because of our work with Hudson Woods, and then after that, we worked on a similar project on 600 acres in northern Mississippi. Um, that that that's also a, a residential development project um, on three large lakes there. Um, you know, and then subsequently in other similar projects. People continue coming to us for land-based projects. We're now working on a series of hotels that are horizontal, um, integrated land conservation development projects. Right, so that's become something of any something of a specialty, if you will. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. And you mentioned you know work outside of New York City. Um, the products that you just mentioned, obviously you mentioned Mississippi and New Orleans, but um, do you see it more now during COVID, maybe hopefully slowly post COVID that work is kind of flowing outside of New York City um, and this is maybe where you want to focus on? We always want to be working in cities and outside cities, right? That, having, having that duality keeps us on our toes. It, 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 it keeps us challenged and, um, engaged in different sorts of ways, right? So we're not more interested in one than the other. We, we are probably working um, two-thirds or even three-quarters of our projects outside the city at the moment. And that trend was starting to occur before COVID. It's been accentuated as a result of COVID with lots of people being interested in alternative you know, homes and you know, hotels and so forth, destinations outside of the city. I have a not easy question for you, but what's, because you mentioned it, what's the role of the modern architect? Now you mentioned land, you mentioned architecture. Is it a combination? I don't know how to answer that question. I, I, I think, look, today, um, I think we need to say the primary responsibility of the architect, um, just standing back from it all, is to be a steward of the environment because we're all facing um, a very serious existential question with respect to our planet, yeah. um, right? It's, it's, it's being threatened by the way that we've all engaged our planet and we haven't been sufficiently thoughtful and I think it's, it's the role of architects to be among the leaders in shifting attitudes and you know of course the built environment plays a significant role in 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 
um, you know, the, the way mankind interacts yeah. with the planet, right? So, um, you know, of course, as individual architects, you need to say that our, our primary responsibilities are to our clients. Um, you know, I actually personally think that my primary responsibilities lie with my team first, um, and then my clients. But, um, you know, look, I, 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 we're, we're, we're blessed as architects with um, having a lot of responsibilities and, 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 and we wield a lot of um, influence across um, the, the, the places where we work. So it's a real privilege and, you know, it's something we take really seriously. So I don't know exactly what the role of the architect is there. <laughs> we wear many hats, we have to, but... The, the interesting thing is that since we started doing it, you're not the first one who said, you know, the environment as, you know, one of the major roles that the architect should, you know, preserve. Um, so it seems like it's an ocean all around, which actually it's, it's going to be interesting how it's going to look 25 years from now when all those conversations actually will take place. Um, and as far as owning your own practice, you said team, you said the people. Is there something else that you particularly like about having your own practice? I mean, that's enough. You know, it's really, it's, it's, um, yeah, there are lots of other things, but, but honestly, it, it, it always comes back to the people and always comes back to the team. You know, the, the, um, look, I, 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 have an ego like everybody else, right? And in, 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 I think anyone would say that they like having freedom. They like to be able to kind of express themselves as they want to be able to express themselves, make choices about what they want to do, the direction that they want to take. So, you know, I'm no exception. One of the advantages, certainly, in owning my own company is that I can um, forge my own direction. You know, I, 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 it's lonely, it's hard. Um, I, I, I can say for sure that I enjoy it much, much more now that our team has grown and I'm doing it with many other thoughtful, talented people. And, you know, and I also have the privilege of working with a coach on a regular basis, um, you know, who's going on this journey with me, right? Um, <clears throat> and. As much as I love my wife, uh, she's not an architect. She d doesn't really fully understand what it means to be an architect. Um, she appreciates it, but um, there are lots of things that I talk to her about she can't quite get her head around. Um, and so it, it ends up being really quite lonely. I don't have a business partner, and um, uh, but fortunately, I've developed a lot of collaborators who are you know my, my partners day to day yeah um so maybe looking back also a bit forward if someone wants to open their own practice what would you advise with all your experience now i don't know i don't want to say too much because naivete really i think goes a long way i think if 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 look don't one piece of advice don't try and figure it all out you you, you won't you can't you you have to just do it. Um, it takes a decision, you know. Um, I, not many people ask me about 
opening their own architecture firm. A lot of people do ask me about um, becoming a developer, which is a leap that we took. And the one thing I always say is, all it takes in the end is deciding to do it, making the commitment to doing it. And it sounds simple, but it's, it's, it's really not. You know, we all go through the machinations of um, considering decisions we're going to make day to day, week to week. It's not very often that we um, embrace those decisions and act on those decisions, right? Um, you know, if you're going to start your own business or whatever it is, it's a big decision, yeah. right? So I, I don't mean um, someone should go into it lightly, of course, it's yeah. to be taken quite seriously, but um, I really do believe whatever we want to do, it just takes that full embrace, that full commitment. Um, anything short of that, just don't do it, yeah. right? Um, but, but because it's, um, it's of course not easy and, and there are a lot of bumps along the way. Um, I think we've lived three or four lives so far, um, you know, kind of died and come back to life as a firm. Um, there are many, many times when I really should have shut the doors. Um, the, 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 um, um, you know, after 2008, things totally dried up for us. I mean, totally. We had nothing at a certain point. It was down to, to, to just me. The firm before that hadn't grown too large, but we had a handful of em employees, and it was back to just me, and um, arguably, well, I should have shut the doors. What was I doing uh, with an architecture studio that had no work? Um, and, and there are many other junctures that are that were similar along with, right? So if, if you start your own business, inevitably you, you're gonna to come to crossroads um, of one kind or another. And so I would say to people considering it, okay, just realize they're gonna be really <laughs> rough patches. Um, you know, fortunately for us and, and, and you know, for many other people who, who, who do this, um, we've, we've been able to have some success as well. And, and, and we're doing quite well at the moment and having fun. It's good. It's great, actually, to hear it's all things to build right here. Um, you you're, 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 you're joking, but, <laughs> but, but Bill and your team plays a tremendous role for us in, in advising us, and um, you're a very, very important partner for it, us. This wasn't script, by the way. Um, you mentioned people, collaboration. Is there someone in specific that you didn't have the chance to collaborate with, but you like to? I love that question. Um, I mean, I have a whole list of people. Sure Most of them yeah. aren't, um, aren't the kind of people who you would um, think of. Um, the one person who I read a lot at the moment and, um, and admire is a guy named Jim Collins, who, um, He's written a number of books. The ones that are best known are called Good to Great and Built to Last. And um, he's a people person. You know, for, 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 for him, um, people come first. Um, he's a brilliant mind with respect to organization design, um, collaboration among people. Um, I would love to have the opportunity to work with him. 
look, there, there, there are so many, know, so the many people. Goes on, for um, sure. You know, <clears throat> there are many artists out there would love to the opportunity to collaborate with. Um, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about the future, if you don't mind. We talked about the past. We talked about the present a little bit. Talk about the future. Um, I'm not going to say COVID is in the rearview mirror, as I said before, because it's always hit us back. But um, what do you miss about life pre-COVID? Um, I, 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 not, nothing comes to mind, honestly, because it, it, it's... Um, Look, we, at this point, we've we've come back sufficiently with with people in person. I think that one of the things we can say now, um, you know, I'm of course not alone in saying this, is that is there's a greater appreciation for that, right? The the in-person connectivity, um, you know, as wonderful as Zoom has been, um, it's not the same as being in a room with people, right? And just last week, um, Jordy on our team was on site with a landscape architect who, who, who's a partner of ours, and um, he hadn't met them in person before that site meeting, okay? And there was a moment where they, um, they turned to each other and just naturally hugged one another, okay? So that tells you something. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they both kind of recognized um, something in the project that was significant for both of them, and Jordy said that there, there was there was a tear rolling down the landscape architect's face. Right. So, look, um, for sure, in COVID, we missed that. We missed the in-person connectivity, and 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 really, really appreciate that now. But you know, we we, we came back our team to the office in June, um, once everyone was vaccinated. And um, our, our, our new setup is that we work in the office Monday through Thursday. Everyone works remotely on Fridays. And the team takes off the last Friday of every month. That's our post-COVID setup. So some things did change. Um, what do you think will change in the future due to COVID, just in the industry in general? I think that it, it, there's there's the confluence right now of a number of things, um, which COVID I think served to accentuate. Right, we were talking earlier about a crisis, an environmental crisis that we're all facing, right? And um, I think there's there, there's been a market. Um, increase in awareness around that COVID because it's been a time of reflection, right? And so I hope one of the significant changes we see out of COVID is a, um, a persistence around that, right? A, a, um, a commitment around that. You know, I wish we had seen a more robust infrastructure bill passed by the Congress coming out of this than what we've seen um, there's really no way as a country that we can um, follow through with the widespread electrification of um, you know, the built environment, <clears throat> um, you know, not to mention um, electric vehicles, right, serving 
electric vehicles and a lot of them are going to recharge as they drive across the landscape um, with, without participation by the government. Unfortunately, in New York State, um, people at NYSERDA are, are, are quite progressive and um, have been advocating for many years for the electrification of buildings. I think we're going to see this in New York long before we see it in other parts of the country. And we talked about the future. Bill told me you had kids. Um, no one pushed you to towards architecture. Would you push them towards architecture? I would, right? I mean, it, it, it's no one pushed pushed me explicitly towards architecture, but I had a lot of creative women in my family. All the women in my family growing up were were very creative artists of one kind or another, and. They were influential for me, right? So anyone who is in my sphere, I hope, senses my, um, my, my, my passion for architecture. And, you know, in that sense, I'd be happy to influence They're someone right. and encourage someone to become an architect. It's, it's, it's um, I mean, I would never tell someone it's an easy road. I would, <clears throat> I would never tell someone that it's a... Um, an easy way to, to make a living, right? So it's, it's um, uh, you know, if your primary interest is money, it's, it, it, it's probably not the profession to go into, right? Um, uh, anyway. Um, we're done with questions. It's just about the lightning round now. Um, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Hmm. Um, I give my wife a, a kiss and a hug, and my son a kiss That's and a hug. That's the right answer, right? You know, uh, 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 you know. The, 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 after that, nothing else matters. <laughs> um, what type of music you listen to? Um, my favorite kind of music to listen to is is my son's music. He's a musician, and he he writes his own music. He 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 sings and he plays piano, so. My sphere of music is my son's sphere, so he listens to... I, <clears throat> I liked growing up, um, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, right? So just the classics from that era, which I still love, absolutely love. Um, uh, and I could listen to all day long. Um, you know, I loved the, the recent movie about Queen, what, what was it? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, loved Queen. Um, uh, anyway, so he, he, he plays basically a combination of folk and country and, and pop. It's cool. It's cool. All right. So, so that's your whole world right now. That's what you listen to. We listen to jazz in the office. So um, we've, we, we have uh, some speakers throughout the office and... Um, we have a bunch of musicians in the office, including um, a jazz saxophonist. Jordy is a jazz saxophonist, and so he started playing jazz on the Sonos system, and it stuck. Um, I always loved jazz. I grew up in New Orleans, and oh, you know, grew up with grew sense. up with jazz, and grew up with great music. Um, is music is also inspiration, or is it just for you know background? I honestly don't know how to talk about music. I don't really have uh, the education for it. Um, I love music. 
um, whenever I go to a, um, uh, an opera or a classical concert or a jazz concert, I'm um, mesmerized, mesmerized, right? I, 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 I like those kinds of experiences to just be transported. Um, I honestly don't love rock concerts. I feel um, it's a kind of assault on the senses. Um, although I did go and see um, the, the recent David Byrne show on Broadway and it was fabulous. I loved that. Um, loved David Byrne's Talking Heads. Um, so there's some exceptions, but um, my wife is the one who goes with our son to see the rock concerts yeah. because rock concerts are not for me. I, I, it's, a, it's sort of an assault on my senses. I, don't, I find it to be um, uninspirational. It, 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 it doesn't energize me, it depletes me, um, as opposed to a, um, a classical music concert, I feel energized, you know. If you could have had dinner with anyone you choose, who would it be? You can say your wife. My maternal grandfather, who I'd never met, yeah. Um, I met him, you know, there's a picture of me with him when I was little, little, uh, but I have no recollection of him, right? So, um, I'd love to, be, love to have dinner with him. Yeah, um, final question. If you weren't an architect slash a developer, what would you be? Um, if I could muster the talent and the skill, a writer. Okay. But I actually considered being a writer coming out of college, and it's one thing that, that, that uh, turned me into architecture, actually. I realized I couldn't bear an existence of solitude, uh, not to mention the fact that I didn't have the writing skills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Drew Lang, thank you very much. That was inspirational and very interesting also. Um, I'd like to thank you for your time. Um, that's it. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much, guys. Sure. Thank you. This time we got personal with Drew Lang from Lang Architecture. To learn more about Drew, the studio's work, or Brick and Wonder, check out their website and social media. Stay tuned for future episodes of Getting Personal with Designers, and thank you again for listening.